Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. Hello, Lauren. Um, I'm very excited because this is the week. This is this is our trivia con. Basically, yeah, like like trivia nerd summer camp. Yes, trivia but nerd summer camp. But in the dead of winter. Yes, yes, In always. one of the coldest cities in America. Yes, so... We're very excited. There won't be any archery or uh, boondoggle making, uh, but there will be... Square dancing. Square dancing easily. (laughs) There will be square dancing. No. Um, Hopefully, you all know about this already, and if you're going to be in Chicago, uh, we're very excited. But just as an FYI, Geek Bowl is this weekend. Please come see us. We are going to be having an extrivaganza podcast and Illuminati mixer on Thursday night. Please come say hello. If you can't go to that... We'll probably be at the Llama Happy Hour on yeah, Friday. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't go to that, we'll, we'll see you at Geek Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we will be at Geek Bowl. Or, you know, just walking around Chicago. Uh, the Illuminati, like, invite on Facebook has a prominent picture of Steve <laughs> in the corner waving happily. And if you click on that picture, it expands. And then you can also see a picture of Lauren yeah. who's not looking at the camera and or not, ready to I have would, her photo taken. I was not ready. And I am, I think... <laughs> Like making a face and I'm, I look uncomfortable, but I will say my eyebrows look. Your eyebrows point. always look on oh, point. Kind we of don't say kind. fleek anymore, do we? No, no. No, we're not saying fleek anymore as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> At least according to all of the makeup artists I follow on Instagram. So, you know, that's my source. So yeah, come say hello to us uh, at any point during the three or four days we're going to be at Geek Bowl. We're very excited. We will be eating a lot of food while we're in Chicago. Oh yeah. I'm going to eat a deep dish pizza. Portillo's, we are coming for you in that chocolate cake milkshake, my oh, friends. Hell yes. I might have more than one. Not in a, in one setting. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Could you, you imagine if we just went there like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like hit me. <laughs> I need another one of these. They're going to start one of those like punch cards yeah. just for us. Yeah. So we can get a free one. We're going to fill it up during our three days in Chicago. We're going to have them at the table at Geek Bowl. Instead of drinks, we're going to have chocolate cake milkshakes. Chocolate cake milkshakes. That's going to power our brains. Oh. Or we're going to fall asleep halfway through, which I think is <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> so. But anyway, yes, please come say hello to us. And uh, we might have some swag. Yeah. You know, just some cool stuff with our new logo on it. So. No big deal. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, if you're listening to this on your way to Geek Bowl, oh, yeah. hello. We'll see you soon. Um, but uh, this week I decided we haven't I haven't done like a sciencey thing in a while. Oh sure. And decided to go ahead and really just get back to basics. Oh sure, yeah. Today we are talking about the cell. <laughs> So the words, we're talking about the movie The Cell. Yes, with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Jennifer Lopez. Lopez. <laughs> it's a Tarsum movie. Yeah, it's a it's a dark mystery thriller, yes. action comedy. Yeah, romance. No, not, not a comedy. <laughs> Woo, not a comedy. Uh, it's very good though. Um, it's beautiful in a very dark way. But okay. anyway, we're not talking. We're about not talking that. about the movie. Sorry, everyone. Um, today we're <laughs> talking about the the basic unit of life Ooh. the cell so that comes from the latin cella meaning small room oh that's cute i didn't know that so the cell everybody it is the basic structural functional and biological unit of all known organisms oh it is the smallest unit of life and of course cells are often called the building blocks of life mm-hmm. the study of cells is called cell biology cellular biology or cytology 
So cells were first discovered by Robert Hooke in 1665, who named them for their resemblance to the cells inhabited by Christian monks in a monastery. Okay. That's where the name came from. Uh, Cell theory was first developed in 1839 by Matthias Jacob Schleiden and Theodore Schwann. And it stated that all organisms are composed of one or more cells, that cells are the fundamental unit of structure and function in all living organisms, and that all cells come from pre-existing cells. So... Sometimes you get like really f- aware of things. Today is one of those episodes oh that you're going to be like, I'm very aware of all the <laughs> tiny parts of me. Yes. So there are um, two types of cells. There are eukaryotic, which contain a nucleus, and prokaryotic, which do not. Okay. So a prokaryote is a unicellular organism that lacks a cell nucleus or other membrane-bound organelles, which we will talk about soon. So prokaryotes are also tend to be smaller than eukaryotic cells, making them the smallest form of life. And prokaryotes are typically the focus of microbiologists. Okay. So this includes things like bacteria and archaea. Um, The structure of prokaryotes are, there is a flagella, which is the tail-like structure that helps the cell to move. There are ribosomes that are used for the translation of RNA to protein. And there's typically a nucleoid, which is the area designated to hold all of the genetic material in a circular structure. So alternately, eukaryotes are organisms whose cells have a nucleus enclosed within membranes. Um, And then this is usually the focus of cytologists or Mm. people studying cells. Um, Eukaryotic cells can either be unicellular or multicellular, and they include animals, plants, fungi, and protozoa cells, Mm. which all contain organelles with various shapes and sizes. So a cell component is called an organelle. It's a specialized subunit within a cell that has a specific function. Organelles are either separately enclosed within their own bilayers called membrane-bound organelles, or they are spatially distinct functional units without a surrounding layer, also called non-membrane-bound organelles. Uh, The name organelle comes from the idea that these structures are parts of cells, as organs are to the human body, with the suffix E-L-L-E being a diminutive of that. So organelles are identified by microscopy, and they can be purified by cell fractionation, which is a very exciting process. Oh, my gosh. Um, There are many types of organelles, particularly in a eukaryotic cell. So while prokaryotes don't possess organelles, some do have protein-based bacterial microcompartments. So so, um, microbiologists consider those to be primitive organelles. But so when really when we are talking about organelles, we are talking about eukaryotes. Mm. So organelles. Okay. Do you remember being in like seventh or eighth grade and having to like draw the diagram of the cell? Or did you ever have to like make um, like a diorama or like a 3D version of that? Um, I went to public school, so we only had to draw it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So yes, uh, I remember we had to color, Mm -hmm. like color the different colors were certain like parts of the cell. Yes. I do remember this. We had to like, we had to make like a 3D model of it. Oh, wow. Again, I also went to public school. Well, you went to- People do like Play-Doh and stuff here like that, you know? Well, I went to public school in like the country. So not a lot of funding for for Roy Hart. But anyway, yes. Well, I'll tell you what I made mine out of once I get through all this. Okay, so first you have the cell membrane. 
Mm-hmm. It surrounds the contents of the cell and separates it from other cells and the environment. Um, the membrane also controls what materials go into and out of the cell. Mm-hmm. For example, the cell membrane allows nutrients and oxygen to move into the cell and carbon dioxide and waste materials to move out of it. It contains a range of receptors which carry out a number of tasks. And the cell membrane is made of molecules called proteins and lipids arranged in an orderly manner. Mm-hmm. Got the membrane. Great. Cytoplasm is the interior of the cell that surrounds the nucleus and is about 80% water. It includes the organelles and a jelly-like fluid inside it. So because the cytoplasm is fluid, the cell can change shape. Mm. So like if you had a bag of water, you could, theory, like you could put it in a cup holder and it would change its shape or you could put it in a you know bigger bowl and it would change its shape mm-hmm. so that's kind of how the cytoplasm acts um, many of the important reactions that take place in the cell occur in that cytoplasm mm. okay we also have the cell wall which is absent in mammals oh so okay. but it is present in most prokaryotes um like algae fungi and also eukaryotes like plants. Okay. Um, so the cell wall is a structural layer surrounding some types of cells just outside the cell membrane. It can be tough, flexible, and sometimes rigid. It provides the cell with both structural support and protection and also acts as a filtering mechanism. Mm. A major function is to act as a pressure vessel, preventing overexpansion of the cell when water enters. So humans and mammals don't have a cell wall. Mm-hmm. We just have the cell membrane outside okay. it. But the cell wall is, you know, in plants for sure. Okay. Good to know. So the nucleus mm-hmm. is the information headquarters of the cell. There's typically one nucleus per cell. Um, it sends out messages to grow, divide, or die. So it um, controls oh. cell growth and reproduction. <laughs> it's separated from the rest of the cell by the nuclear envelope. And the nucleus also contains chromosomes. Oh, So okay, we're yeah. going to have a little sidebar here about chromosomes. A chromosome is a deoxyribonucleic acid molecule with part or all of the genetic material or the genome of an organism. So chromosomes are normally visible under a light microscope only when the cell is undergoing the metaphase of cell division, which we'll talk about later. Um, And before this happens, every chromosome is copied once and the copy is joined to the original by a centromere, resulting in either an X-shaped structure if the centromere is located in the middle of the chromosome or a two-arm structure if the centromere is located near one of the ends. So um, when we had our episode, um, episode 42, Rosalind fucking Franklin and the mm-hmm. structure of DNA, yes. we talked about um, DNA a little bit. We talked about that fo- that specific photograph um, that was you know, taken from her notes yep. and used by Watson and Crick. Yep. So that X shape is is the chromosome connected in the middle by the centromere. So oh, okay. So shape structure. Mm-hmm. So chromosomes in humans can be divided into two types. There are autosomes and allosomes. So autosomes are body chromosomes and allosomes are sex chromosomes. Oh, okay. Certain genetic traits are linked to a person's sex and passed on through the sex chromosomes. So the autosomes contain the rest of the genetic hereditary information. All of them act in the same way during cell division. Human cells have 23 pairs of chromosomes. Mm -hmm. They have 22 pairs of autosomes and one pair of sex chromosomes, giving a total of 46 per cell. In addition to these, human cells have many hundreds of copies of the mitochondrial genome. So for example, most eukaryotes are diploid, like humans who have these 22 different types of autosomes, um, each present as two homologous pairs and two sex chromosomes. So this gives, again, 46 chromosomes in total. Mm -hmm. But other organisms might have more than two copies of their chromosome types. So something like bread wheat is hexaploid and has six copies of seven different chromosome types. Oh my gosh. So it has 42 chromosomes in total. That's wild. And you would think like wheat. 
Yeah. Huh? Huh? Um, so some of the some of these ones that I found interesting. So the common fruit fly has eight total chromosomes. Yeah, and that's I heard somewhere that that's why they're used for for genetic studies and things because they have so few yeah. that it's easy to it's kind of basic. like basic. Yep. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, an earthworm has 36. Oh, wow. A domestic cat has 38. Huh? A uh, domestic sheep has 54. Oh, a dog has 78. What? And a hedgehog has 90. 90? I don't know why it needs so many. <laughs> it doesn't need so many. So little. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. So not everything has the same amount, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, another good reason why we can't just like start breeding like dogs and sheep together because they don't have the The same same amount. Yeah. Yeah. Their cells are not going to do anything together. Yeah. Also, we don't need to play. No, we don't need to play God there. Absolutely not. (laughs) I don't care how cute it would be. No good. No. <laughs> so again, also as part of the nucleus, you have the nucleolus. So that's the structure within the nucleus. It's usually dense and spherical. Um, it's the site of the ribosomal RNA synthesis, which is needed for ribosomal assembly. And again, for more on DNA, check out our episode 42. It's very good. Okay. Also, another organelle is the endoplasmic reticulum. Oh, yes. The endoplasm- okay. uh, endoplasmic reticulum. Is that your favorite one? It's my favorite one. Okay. <laughs> so the endoplasmic reticulum processes carbohydrate and lipid molecules within the cell and helps to transport them to their final destinations. There are a series of folded membranes used to move materials around the cell. Um, and the endoplasmic reticulum, or ER, because it's a lot easier to say, sure. um, it's also involved in helping to make many different kinds of cell membranes, including the outer cell membrane, mitochondrial membrane, and nuclear membrane. There are two main kinds of ER, uh, the rough and the smooth. Mm-hmm. So the rough endoplasmic reticulum has ribosomes attached to it, and it makes proteins, including many important proteins for the plasma membrane. Smooth endoplasmic reticulum do not have ribosomes, but they're involved in modifying proteins synthesized by the rough endoplasmic reticulum. Okay, so that's like the processor of the proteins that's made by the rough one. Exactly. Great. All of these little tiny things have oh. like a very important job. Yeah, just floating around in those jellies. That's the sound. I think my favorite... Uh, is the Golgi apparatus. Oh, Golgi apparatus. Oh, can I change my answer? Yeah, you can change your answer. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, so I like I like this um, analogy. The Golgi apparatus is sometimes considered the post office of the cell, <laughs> where the items are sorted, packaged, and labeled for delivery. Oh. So the Golgi apparatus are a series of flattened sacks, and once materials leave that part, they might be used within the cell or taken outside of the cell for use elsewhere. So the Golgi apparatus huh. it does a lot of like processing and oh, send, getting out. ready to send things out. Huh. The post office of the cell, if post you office. Are. We didn't learn that in eighth grade. Might have <laughs> stuck a little better. I know, right? Done that. The Golgi apparatus is the post office of the cell. Yes. But then we talk about the one that everybody remembers. Everybody remembers Everybody it. remembers the mitochondria, which is... The powerhouse. The, of the powerhouse cell. of the cell. So <laughs> mitochondria helps to turn energy from the food we eat into energy that cells can use. So adenosine triphosphate, ATP. When the chemical bonds of food molecules, such as sugar, are broken, energy in the form of ATP is produced, and the ATP is stored in the mitochondria until it is needed elsewhere in the cell. So mitochondria have a number of other jobs, including calcium storage, and then also a role in cell death, which is called apoptosis. That sounds ominous. Yeah, well, 
Um, the Krebs cycle takes place here in the mitochondria. So um, the Krebs cycle is also known as the citric acid cycle or the TCA cycle. Um, it's a series of chemical reactions used by all aerobic organisms to release stored energy through the oxidation of acetyl-CoA derived from carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, turning them into adenosine triphosphate and carbon dioxide. So okay. the Krebs cycle takes place in the mitochondria. Okay, a few more organelles. The centrosome it serves as the main microtubule organizing center of the animal cell. It's composed of two centrioles arranged at right angles to each other and surrounded by an amorphous mass of protein. So it does a lot of processing as well, some organizing there. Perfect. Ribosomes read the RNA and translate it into protein by sticking together amino acids in the order defined by the RNA, basically protein synthesis. Okay. Um, some Ribosomes may float freely in the cytoplasm, but others are attached to the endoplasmic reticulum. Mm. A lysosome is a bag of enzymes. <laughs> lysosomes contain enzymes that break down large molecules, including old parts of the cells and foreign material. And they also digest cellular macromolecules. So it's like the, um, the gastrointestinal system of the cell. Yeah. Okay. It's also like does some cleanup. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The gastrointestinal system. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to get into any so, poop Lauren. talk, Joel, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, there's also the cytoskeleton, which is the scaffolding of the cell. It basically helps the cell to maintain its correct shape. Oh, okay. The cytoskeleton is flexible. Um, it plays a role in cell division and cell motility. The ability of some cells to move, such as sperm cells, is relies on the cytoskeleton. Mm -hmm. So it extends from the cell nucleus to the cell membrane is composed of similar proteins in various organisms. Another one that is not in mammals mm. is a chloroplast. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that conducts photosynthesis where the photosynthetic pigment chlorophyll captures the energy from sunlight. It converts it and stores it in the energy storage molecules ATP and NADPH while freeing oxygen from water in plants and algal cells. It's a double membrane compartment found mainly in plants and it has its own DNA. Oh, which cool. Is interesting. That's interesting. And then also a vacuole is a membrane-bound organelle which is present in all plant and fungal cells and some protist animal and bacterial cells. Vacuoles are essentially enclosed compartments that are filled with water containing inorganic and organic molecules, including enzymes. They're important for storage, transportation, and then they help to maintain steady conditions within the cell. Mm, okay. So those are your organelles. Um, when I had to make one for school, I... Okay. All right. Hear me out. I'm, I'm listening. Um, do you remember doing like science experiments with like disposable diapers and how like if you would fill like you could pour as much water? No, no, not, that never her happened. Face is, her face is horrified <laughs> right now. So we learned that if you like cut open a disposable diaper, there's all these like little pellets inside that will eventually absorb whatever liquid goes into that diaper. Sure. So mm -hmm. you can you can basically shake them out of the diaper if you cut the diaper open, right? And then if you pour water onto that, you can create your own like gel. Oh, that's okay? interesting. So okay. what I did was I did that uh -huh. and put it in like a plastic baggie. And then I used like wire and beads to make all the other shapes of all the other organelles oh my that God. would go into the cell. And I put them all in there too. And so it was like, it was like a real like squishy bag full of. That's genius. <laughs> yeah. That's so kind of good. Proud of Look that. at you. Somebody made like a cake though. And I mean, like they were the best one clearly. Well, it was yeah, edible, that's a pretty good but... idea. That's see, that's very creative. 
Good job. Yeah, we didn't have that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no one was creative at Roy Hart, <laughs> including me, apparently. So I alluded to this earlier. Um, so now we'll talk about cell division. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there are two two different kinds. We're going to talk first about mitosis. Okay. Without it, life would be impossible. Oh my god! Okay, that's, that's, that is quite it's a very statement. ominous. Yeah. So mitosis is the cell division in which one cell, also called the mother, divides to produce two new cells called the daughters. Okay. They are genetically identical to the mother cell. So wait. So the mother divides in half, mm-hmm. and so when it divides, it is no longer the mother. It is now mm-hmm. two daughters. Yes. Great. In the context of the cell cycle, mitosis is the part of the division process in which the DNA of the cell's nucleus is split into two equal sets of chromosomes. So cell division gives rise to genetically identical cells in which the number of chromosomes is maintained. Mm-hmm. The majority of cell divisions that happen in your body involve mitosis. Wow. <laughs> During development and growth, mitosis populates an organism's body with cells and throughout an organism's life, it replaces the old worn out cells with new ones. So the first phase is called prophase. This is where the cells start to break down some structures and build others up, setting the stage for the division of the chromosomes. So the chromosomes start to condense, making them easier to pull apart later on, and they become visible. The mitotic spindle, which is a structure made of microtubules, which are strong fibers that are part of the cell skeleton, start to form from the centrosomes. The spindle's job is to organize the chromosomes and move them around during mitosis. It grows between the centrosomes as they move apart toward opposite poles of the cell. The nuclear envelope around the cell breaks down and the nucleolus, which is a part of the nucleus where the ribosomes are made, disappears. And this is a sign that the nucleus is getting ready to break down. So um, if you take your two hands and you kind of like intertwine your fingers and hold them together. Okay. That's the prophase. Okay. 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 I got you. Next up is metaphase. The spindle has captured all the chromosomes and lined them up at the middle of the cell and they're ready to divide. So all the chromosomes align at the metaphase plate, which is not technically a physical structure. It's just a term for where the chromosomes are lined up. Oh, okay. So that's like the, the dividing line, mm-hmm. basically. Okay. The cell will check to make sure that all the chromosomes are at the metaphase plate with their kinetochores correctly attached. This is called the spindle checkpoint, and it helps to ensure that the sister chromatids will split evenly between the two daughter cells when they separate in the next step. If a chromosome is not properly aligned or attached, the cell will halt division until the problem is fixed. So this is like football. <laughs> so it's like football, right? So it's checking that the that they're doing the right plays. Yes. And if somebody's not lined up right, yeah, call, we're halting it. Yeah, halting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining like everyone's at the line of scrimmage. Right? Is that the word? This the phrase? is great, Lauren. And, uh, see, I'm not dumb about sports. <laughs> I absorb some things when I'm sitting there on my phone watching football. Um, watching, quote unquote. So they're like lined up. So there's like one-to-one mm-hmm. pairs. And if someone is out of line, that's they're waiting can't, can't until the play. they get up there. Exactly. Exactly. Great. So if, if for prophase, we had our hands kind of clasped together, like you're praying kind of. Sure. Um, uh, metaphase is you start to pull it apart a little more. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anaphase is the next one. That's where the sister chromatids separate from each other and are pulled toward opposite ends of the cell. So the protein glue that holds these chromatids together is broken down, allowing them to separate. So each sister chromatid is now its own chromosome. And the chromosomes of each pair are pulled toward opposite ends of the cell. 
Microtubules not attached to chromosomes elongate and push apart, separating the poles and making the cell longer. And all of these processes are driven by motor proteins, which are molecular machines that can walk along the microtubule tracks and carry cargo. In mitosis, motor proteins carry chromosomes and other microtubules as they walk. Oh my God. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> so now, so you had your hands all clasped together mm-hmm. and then you had them kind of inner, still interweaved in anaphase as they're starting to separate. Okay. And then we have telophase. So the cell is nearly done dividing and it starts to reestablish its normal structures as cytokinesis takes place. So um, in telophase, you have the mitotic spindles broken down to its melting blocks. Two new nuclei form, one for each set of chromosomes, and then nuclear membranes and nucleoli reappear. And the chromosomes begin to decondense and return to their previous stringy form. So that's, at this point, you're kind of, they're almost completely separated into two different things. Mm -hmm. And then finally, cytokinesis is the division of the cytoplasm to form two new cells. So this overlaps with the final stages of mitosis. It may either start in anaphase or telophase, depending on the cell, and it finishes shortly after the telophase. So in animal cells, cytokinesis is contractile, which pinches the cell in two like a coin purse with a drawstring, is a good analogy. And the drawstring is a band of filaments made of proteins called actin. And the pinch crease is known as the cleavage furrow. Oh, okay. Uh, Plant cells can't be divided like this, though, because they have the cell wall and they're too stiff. So instead, a structure called the cell plate forms down the middle of the cell, splitting it into two daughter cells separated by a new wall. Mm. When cytokinesis finishes, we end up with two new cells, each with a complete set of chromosomes, identical to those of the mother cell. The daughter cells can now begin their own cellular lives, and depending (laughs) on what they decide to be when they grow up, they might undergo (laughs) mitosis themselves and repeat the cycle. Wow. Wow. Cell division. Cell division. And then the other one, uh, which isn't isn't nearly as exciting, is meiosis. So you had mitosis and then meiosis. So meiosis, M-E-I-O-S-I-S, it's a special type of cell division used by sexually reproducing organisms to produce the gametes, such as sperm or egg cells. Okay. It involves two rounds of division that ultimately result in four cells with only one copy of each chromosome. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So the X and Y and you get half and then you get like a whole person. So, um... Just to kind of drill down a little further, we're going to talk about cell types in the human body. Okay. And um, we did talk about this a little bit in episode 32, Anatomy 101, uh, but I'm getting getting a little more into it today. Okay. So great. cells group together to form tissues, mm-hmm. which in turn group together to form organs, mm-hmm. which are very important. Um, <laughs> humans have about 37.2 trillion cells in our bodies. Oh my God. Trillion with a T. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so, I feel so heavy all of a sudden. <laughs> got so much inside me. So the first one we'll talk about is stem cells. Oh, sure. So stem cells are the body's raw materials. These are the cells from which all other cells with specialized functions are generated. And under the right conditions in the body or a laboratory, stem cells divide to form more cells. Um, so then these daughter cells either become new stem cells um, in a, process called self-renewal or they become specialized cells which are which is differentiation to a more specific function so you might have a stem cell and it could turn into a blood cell or a brain cell or a heart muscle cell or a bone cell oh so this is why there's the idea of cloning comes from stem cells because you can tell it what kind of cell to be Uh and then presumably theoretically you could create a whole new person or sheep Uh or 
Yeah. No other cell in the body has the natural ability to generate new cell types. Okay. So researchers and doctors obviously hope that stem cell studies can help to increase understanding of how diseases occur. Oh, or sure. Or they can generate healthy cells to replace disease cells, or they can test new drugs for safety and effectiveness. Um, the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, created guidelines for human stem cell research in 2009. Um, stem cells come from a couple of different places. Um, embryos that are three to five days old, that's called a blastocyst. Um, these are called pluripotent stem cells, meaning they can divide into more stem cells or become any type of cell in the body. Okay. So um, that's, you hear a lot about embryonic stem cells just because they are kind of the they're kind of the purest kind. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but there's all kinds of guidelines in place from the NIH that you can't just can't just start harvesting embryos left and right to create your own thing. Uh, It's very dystopian. (laughs) um, There are also adult stem cells. So adult stem cells are found in small numbers in adult tissue, such as bone marrow or fat, but they have limited ability to give rise to various cells of the body. So they, they have begun studying what they find in adults in the bone marrow or the fat, but you can't just turn that into anything. Mm -hmm. But, uh Oh, there are adult stem cells that have been altered to have properties of embryonic stem cells using genetic reprogramming. Uh, uh. <laughs> so that's happening in labs all over the world. Um, and then there's also something called perinatal stem cells. Those are found in amniotic fluid and in umbilical cord blood. I have heard of this. Yes. yes. So it's it's like, well, you were just going to throw that away anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, let us have it. <laughs> so Interesting. All right, bone cells. Yeah. We talked about this before. There are three types of bone cells. Osteoblasts, which make new bone and help repair damage. Osteocytes, which are mature bone cells that help continue new bone formation. And osteoclasts, which break down bone and help to sculpt and shape it. Mm -hmm. So osteoclasts are very active in kids and teens working on bones as it's remodeled during growth. And they also play an important role in the repair of fractures. There are three types of blood cells. Red blood cells Mm -hmm. that carry oxygen to the body's tissues white blood cells that help the body fight infection, and platelets that help with blood clotting. There are muscle cells. They're also known as myocytes. So these are the type of cell that's found in a muscle tissue. Myocytes are long tubular cells that develop from myoblasts to form muscles in a process known as myogenesis. Um, There's cardiac muscle called myocardium that makes up the wall of the heart and is responsible for the forceful contraction of the heart. Mm. So cardiac muscle cells or cardiomyocytes are the contracting cells that allow the heart to pump. Each cardiomyocyte needs to contract in coordination with its neighboring cells, known as a functional syncytium, working to effectively pump blood from the heart. Oh my God. The other type of muscle cell, smooth muscle cells. They make up the walls of the intestine, the uterus, blood vessels, and internal muscles of the eye. A substantial portion of the volume of the cytoplasm of smooth muscle cells are taken up by the molecules myosin and actin that together have the ability to, Lauren is clutching her face now. They have the ability to contract and make the entire smooth muscle tissue contract with them through a chain of tensile structures. And then finally, you have the skeletal muscles. Those are attached to the bones and in some areas, the skin. So muscles in our face are attached to our skin. Oh no! Um, A skeletal muscle refers to multiple bundles or fascicles of cells joined together called muscle fibers. And contraction of the skeletal muscles helps our limbs and other body parts to move. Of course. Um... 
Gametes, which we kind of touched on before, a gamete is a haploid cell that fuses with another haploid cell during fertilization in organisms that sexually reproduce. The largest cell in the human body is the female mature egg. That's approximately 120 micrometers. Oh, yeah. it's uh, you're, you're probably going to say it. And the smallest cell in the human body is the spermatozoan's head with a size of five micrometers. Oh, my God. That's so tiny. Um, sperm is basically made up of the head, which is very tiny, and the tail, also called the flagellum, which is makes up most of its size. size. Um, sperm cells cannot divide and they have a limited lifespan. But after fusion with egg cells during fertilization, a new organism begins developing starting as a zygote. So the human sperm cell is a haploid so that it, its 23 chromosomes can join the 23 chromosomes of the female egg to form a diploid cell. Mm-hmm. And those are called gametes. So um, I have heard that um, an egg cell is as big as the end of as a period at the end of a sentence. Ooh, that's uh, interesting. Which is enormous yeah. considering like how big cells are. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know what point like <laughs> font point size. It's that kind is. of funny that this this sperm is the smallest. the tiniest. Yeah. That's all. Oh, it's funny. Um, a couple <laughs> more types of cells in the body. Fat cells, also yes. co- also called um, adipocytes or lipocytes. So they're cells that store excess lipids, which are the molecules that include fats and related substances. They have a lot to do in the body. Um, They regulate nutrients and release hormones that influence blood pressure, thyroid function, and also reproduction. Under a microscope, fat cells look like bulbous little spheres. And like other cells in the body, each has a cell membrane and a nucleus, but their bulk is made up of droplets of stored triglycerides, each of which consists of three fatty acid molecules attached to a single glycerol molecule. Um, There's two types of fat cells, white fat, which is mm-hmm. uh, also known as white adipose tissue, is the main substance in the human body used for energy storage. Mm-hmm. We also have brown fat, which is also called brown adipose tissue. Those are iron-rich cells with their own unique function. They express genes that alter metabolism to produce heat, making brown adipose tissue very important for maintaining body temperature. Mm. Uh, newborn babies have really high levels of brown fat, and it's also sometimes called baby fat. So, oh, okay. That's so that's that why they're from. so chubby and they have those little <laughs> fat knees. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, And then finally, nerve cells, also called neurons. Um, Those are our electrically excitable cells that communicate with other cells via specialized connections called synapses. Um, It's the main component of nervous tissue in all animals except for sponges and placozoa. Plants and fungi do not have nerve cells either. Yeah. The signaling process is partly electrical and partly chemical. So we have sensory neurons that respond to stimuli such as touch, light, or sound that affect the cells of the sensory organs, and then they also send signals to the spinal cord or brain. We have motor neurons, which receive signals from the brain and spinal cord to control everything from muscle contractions to glandular output. Mm. And we also have interneurons, which connect neurons to other neurons within the same region of the brain or spinal cord. And a group of connected neurons is called a neural circuit. Interesting. <sighs> few more cell facts please there there are more bacterial cells in the body than human cells huh no get out scientists have estimated that about 95 percent of all the cells in the body are bacteria no what ew get out of me i don't like it the vast majority of these microbes can be found within a, within the digestive tract. Oh, and sure, also yeah. billions of bacteria live on the skin. Uh, we carry around three to five pounds of bacteria on our body. Pounds? 
Pounds. Pounds. <laughs> yes. So when I go to my doctor next week and they weigh me, I say, make sure that you subtract all that bacteria on my <laughs> Subtract skin. the bacterial number, please. <laughs> yeah, please. See if that works. Yeah, Let us yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so also cells within the human body have different lifespans based on the type and function of the cell. So they can live anywhere from a few days to a year. Ugh. Certain cells of the digestive tract live for only a few days, but some immune system cells can live up for, to six weeks and pancreatic cells can live for as long as a year. So everything is changing all the time, everybody. Ugh. Ugh. I hate it. Mm. <laughs> And then finally, we cannot talk about cells without talking about Henrietta Lacks. Of course. Yes. So if you, if, you, if you don't know her story, Henrietta Lacks was an impoverished black woman who was being treated at Johns Hopkins Medical Center for a mass on her cervix in 1951. Uh, during her cancer treatment, a doctor took a sample of the tumor without her knowledge or her consent, and he sent it over to a colleague of his named Dr. George Gay, who had been trying unsuccessfully for 20 years to grow human tissues from cultures. A lab assistant there, Mary Kubitschek, discovered that Henrietta Lacks cells, unlike normal human cells, could live and replicate outside the human body. The cells eventually became known as the HeLa immortal cell line, which is a commonly used cell line in contemporary biomedical research. So Henrietta Lacks died like a few months later. She died at age 31 in October 1951. And after Lacks's death, Dr. Gay had Mary Kubitschek take further samples from her body at the autopsy facility oh, at John I didn't Hopkins. That. Oh my God. So, in contrast to normal human cells, which die after a few replications, Lax's cells can live and replicate just fine outside of the human body. As long as the cells have the nutrients they need to survive, they will apparently live and replicate forever. <gasps> Almost 60 years and counting since the first culture of these cells was taken. What? They can be frozen for literally decades, and when thawed, they will go right on replicating. Before her cells were discovered and widely cultured, it was nearly impossible for scientists to reliably experiment on human cells getting meaningful results. So cell cultures that scientists were studying would weaken and die very quickly yeah. outside the human body. But Lax's cells gave scientists for the first time a standard that they could use to test things on. So the ability to rapidly reproduce HeLa cells in a laboratory setting has led to many important breakthroughs in biomedical research. For example, by 1954, Jonas Salk was using HeLa cells in his research to develop the polio vaccine. And to test his vaccine, these cells were mass produced in the first ever cell production factory. Oh my God. So since these cells first mass replications, they have been used by scientists in various types of investigations, including disease research, gene mapping, effects of toxic substances on organisms, and radiation on humans. Additionally, HeLa cells have been used to test human sensitivity to tape, glue, cosmetics, and other products. Oh my God. HeLa cells can survive being shipped in the mail just fine, so scientists across the globe can use the same standard to test against. Oh my gosh. And even though some information about the origins of her immortalized cell line was known to researchers after 1970, the family was not made aware of the line's existence until 1975. And since the 1950s, scientists have grown as much as 50 million metric tons of her cells. Oh, And there God. are almost 11,000 patents out there involving HeLa cells. So this story is really, it's really controversial. Like, it's oh, incredible. Yeah. Like, it's an incredible story that, that 
nobody knows why her cells are immortal. Nobody, like, they just kind of stumbled upon this. Oh, my but gosh. But they were also taken from her without her consent or exactly. without her knowledge. And her family didn't know anything about this yeah. for, like, 25 years. And so then they are, they were getting, like, contacted by all of these researchers and stuff, too, who want to, like, test them and want to see, oh, like, sure, yeah. what's interesting about their genetic lines. And, like, they didn't sign up for any of this. No, of course not. So it's a it's a really, really interesting story. And if you want to know more about um, about Henrietta Lacks and her immortal cells, you should check out the 2010 book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Re- Rebecca Sklut. I remember that when that book came out, mm-hmm. I was working at a little bookstore called Bar- uh, Schmarns and Bobble. Mm-hmm. And um, I did not read it, uh, obviously, because of my reaction to this. But um, <laughs> I thought it was, I, I knew that it was her cells were were interesting in a way, but I thought mm-hmm. it was just like her genetic makeup was like a, a certain way. I didn't realize that they like continued to divide. Like yeah. She was literally immortal. Like the yes. cells were immortal. Yeah. I thought it was like a interesting way of saying that she had lived on through her cells because of this experiment process. But I didn't realize that they were like truly like out of this world, crazy unique. Yeah. And they made a movie about it and all this stuff. It's fascinating. It's, it's, a really crazy story. Crazy. Cool. Thank you. So that was so that was what I wanted to talk about. That's awesome. Great. So good. Loved it. <laughs> um now I'm fully aware of how how many like things hangers are on all the time. How many hop-ons I've got on my body from the bacteria. Thanks a lot for that. I'm gonna have nightmares <laughs> You're about it. Welcome. So our quiz today is called Cell Block Tango. It's a quiz on historic prisons and the refrain from that one song in the musical Chicago. Question one. Nelson Mandela was imprisoned for 18 years at Maximum Security Prison located on what island in Table Bay off the coast of Cape Town, South Africa? While some prisoners there were convicted of stealing from the rich, Mandela and many others were held as political prisoners. Question two. Everyone's a fan of something, or so claims Funko. There are more than 8,600 unique official Funko Pop figures out there. Funko's founder, Mike Becker, got the idea in 1998 when he wanted to create a replica of a cool vintage bank of what chubby and checkered restaurant mascot. Question three. Forget the storming of the Bastille. During the 10-month-long reign of terror after the French Revolution... Enemies of the Republic were considered to be guilty of treason and condemned to death. More than 2,600 prisoners, including Marie Antoinette, Charlotte Corday, and Robespierre himself, were sent to the guillotine by way of what downtown Parisian penitentiary? Question four. The set of NHL teams known as the Original Six are the oldest remaining teams still in the league. In fact, they were the entire NHL for 25 seasons straight from 1942 to 1967. With two in Canada and four in the United States, please name for me these original six teams. Question five. Used as a prison from the year 1100 until 1952, the Tower of London also served as a royal residence, a treasury, an armory, and the home of the crown jewels of England. Among those held and executed on the Tower of London grounds, rather than on nearby Tower Hill, were two of Henry VIII's wives, Anne Boleyn and which other youthful bride? Question six. Squish is a product by FrogLogic that's designed as a commercial cross-platform GUI testing tool, able to record and replay test scripts written in JavaScript, Perl, Python, or Ruby programming languages. What does GUI, 
GUI stand for? Question seven. Located nine miles off the coast of French Guiana, Devil's Island, or Ile du Diable, was the site of a notorious penal colony for more than a century. Among its most famous surviving political prisoners was which French artillery officer accused, not j'accused, of espionage and defended by writer Emile Zola in a famous open letter? Question 8. Cicero was a 1st century BCE Roman statesman and lawyer considered to be one of Rome's greatest orators. Unfortunately, he became an enemy of the consul and the power struggle following the death of Julius Caesar in 44 BCE. Cicero was executed under the political alliance of the Roman Republic's three most powerful figures, known more commonly as what group? Question 9. Port Arthur was, for 20 years, the destination for the most devilish of convicted British criminals in the 19th century. It was sold as an inescapable prison, much like the later Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay, but much farther afield. On what island state in the Southern Hemisphere is Port Arthur located? And finally, question 10. What surname do the following people have in common? Jacques, a French cubist sculptor. Lippi, a South African sculptor and painter, and Rudolf, a German mathematician with a continuity condition named after him. I will give you about a minute to think, and then we'll be back with your answers. If someone stood up in a crowd and raised his voice up way out loud and waved his arm and shook his leg, you'd notice some. If someone in the movie show yelled, Fire! In the second row! This whole place is a powder keg! You'd notice some. And even without clucking like a hen, everyone gets noticed now and then. Unless, of course, that personage should be invisible. Inconsequential me. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should I bend my name, Mr. Cellophane? Cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm I tell ya, cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should I bend my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there. This is so tough. Like I saw I'm having, your face as I was reading them, and sometimes, uh, sometimes Lauren will be like, "Yeah," like just you're like, mm-hmm, "Yeah," like nodding along, like. Yeah. And I was, I was just massaging my temples and the rest of my face because I'm. Mm, this is gonna be. This is not gonna be real great for LT. I'm gonna be honest well, with you. Well, think of the theme. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a quiz on historic prisons. Prisons and, and the refrain from that one song. Now here's in the, the thing. musical Chicago. All I remember is he had it coming. And also the doing the spread eagle. Like I know that. And then there was like squish something blank Cicero 
uh, Wawa. I don't remember. Like, <laughs> ah, okay. Well, maybe it'll come back to you. I'm not really a musical gal. So anyway, please. All right. Well, just here we go. Right. We're can't be fine. worse than the speeches. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Question mm. one. Okay. Nelson Mandela was in prison for 18 years at Maximum Security Prison. That's that was the name of the prison. Maximum Security Prison. Oh, okay. Located on what island in Table Bay off the coast of Cape Town, South Africa? While some prisoners there were convicted of stealing from the rich, Mandela and many others were held as political prisoners. So is this like Hood Island or Robin Island? He's Robin Island. Oh, good. I'm yes. Just, <laughs> yep. I learned. I'm just going to stop you. Thank you. Thank uh-huh. you. Robin Island. R-O-B-B-E-N. So um, the maximum security prison for political prisoners there closed in 1991 and the medium security prison for criminal prisoners was closed five years later in 1996. It's a South African national heritage site as well as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Three former inmates of this prison, Nelson Mandela, Kagala Monfante, and Jacob Zuma, have gone on to become president of South Africa. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Good for them. Question two. Everyone's a fan of something, or so claims Funko. There are more than 8,600 unique official Funko Pop figures out there. Funko's founder, Mike Becker, got the idea in 1998 when he wanted to create a replica of a cool vintage bank of what chubby and checkered restaurant mascot. Is it Bob's Big Boy? It is Bob's Big Boy. Yeah, I know that. You know that know chubby that checkered boy. I know that fool. Um, so <laughs> early versions of the West Coast Big Boy statues were gigantic, measuring up to 16 feet tall, and they got stolen all the dang time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? Um, and then smaller versions of the statues were sold as coin banks and bobblehead figures and are like still sold today and make a pretty penny. So yeah. Becker was like on eBay trying to buy like a vintage bank of Bob's Big Boy, and it, he was like, I could just make this. Yeah. And that's kind of where his idea came from. Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest you with you, like listeners? Them. I don't understand the Funko Pop thing. Uh-huh. It's like, it's like, here, I, I own two Funko Pops. Okay. I own Stefan from SNL oh, and sure. I own Alex Trebek. Okay. All right. Understandable. Okay. So it's kind of like, I guess it's a, it's a way that as a grown up you can display your fandom of something in like a very cute cute way like you can have that at your on your desk at work and it's fine yeah yeah i just i think it's that i don't find them cute especially it's the giant heads and they're they all look almost identical except like they have they don't have pupils it's just like a little black button eyeball yeah and no mouth either yeah they don't have any mouths and they're very i don't know i i'm not really a collector to begin with so like i don't understand it but I mean, bless, you know, <laughs> life is a rich tapestry, you know, enjoy your Funko Pops. It's just, I don't get it. Yeah. And my students are like, no, they're cute. I'm like, I don't, sorry guys, <laughs> I just don't get it. You can tweet it, Lauren. Uh, no, me do not tweet at me. <laughs> do not tweet at me. I will not change my mind. Okay. <laughs> Question three. Forget the storming of the Bastille. During the 10-month-long reign of terror after the French Revolution, enemies of the Republic were considered to be guilty of treason and condemned to death. More than 2,600 prisoners, including Marie Antoinette, Charlotte Corday, and Robespierre himself, were sent to the guillotine by way of what downtown Parisian penitentiary? I don't know a lot of uh, French history. Uh Uh-huh. I especially don't know a lot about uh, French Revolution history. Hmm. Um... 
Is it the uh, I'm trying to get my French. Uh, is it the Albu? Is it the uh, <laughs> Was there a Was there a hint in there? Not really. Nope. Okay. No. Then I mm. just just that it's not the best deal. Uh, um, yeah. It's called La Conciergerie. Oh yeah, no. So it's um. It, right now, the building is basically like used as law courts um, okay. for France. Um, it's part of the complex that has the Palais de Justice and the um, La Sainte Chapelle. But um, there is a section of it that you can go and you can tour and you can see like Marie Antoinette's cell. Ooh, and you can cool. see like where the prisoners would have walked around all day and all this stuff. And it's um, it was like a really cool museum tour. Oh, okay. I recommend it. Uh, I do like that it's called La Conciergerie. La Conciergerie. Uh, which makes it sound like it's like a nice hotel. Nice hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right, question four. The set of NHL teams known as the original six are the oldest remaining teams still in the league. In fact, they were the entire NHL for 25 seasons straight from 1942 to 1967 with two in Canada and four in the United States. Please name for me these six teams. And this isn't normally like a Julia type of trivia question, but I feel like this is important enough that you should be able to name the original six. I mean, I can, I can probably, I'll make some guesses. Yeah. All right. Uh, is it the Maple Leafs? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Canada first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers? No. No? Okay. Oh, oh, oh. The um, the Habs. Yes. Uh, yeah, Canada. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And The Montreal Canadiens. Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens. Canadiens. Les Canadiens du Montréal. Whatever. Les habitants. <laughs> I don't know what that was word was. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the Islanders. New York Islanders? No. no? Uh, Minnesota Wild? No. Oh, shoot. Um, so many expansion teams and you can never remember which ones are which. Uh, oh, Pittsburgh? No. Oh, that's too bad. Um, <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. I hate to see it. Um, Flyers? All right. So, so the original six. <laughs> going down. I'm going north to south. Did you see me they doing that? They are all in the northeast. Northeast. Okay. Is Pretty that much. the Sabes? Pretty is much. It? No. No, because they were the 60s. Go, pl- just tell me. <laughs> just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren got the two Canadian teams. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Got a third um, there. The four in the United States are the Boston Bruins. Oh, shoot. The Chicago Blackhawks, the oh. Detroit Red Wings, and the New York Rangers. New York Rangers. Damn, I was so close. Mm-hmm. Most of the other teams that are still in exist. Well, I don't want to say most. Um, there was a big influx of teams into the league in 67. Yeah. That's when like Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and Buffalo and, you know, all these other teams, the Islanders, all the ones that are still, most of the ones that are still around today joined in like yeah. 67. Exactly. And then we had a couple of other teams join in the 90s. And um, then the most recent was the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Question five. Used as a prison from the year 1100 until 1952, the Tower of London also served as a royal residence, a treasury, an armory, and the home of the crown jewels of England. Among those held and executed on the Tower of London grounds, rather than on nearby Tower Hill, were two of Henry VIII's wives, Anne Boleyn and which other youthful bride? Um, it wasn't Jane Seymour. Mm-mm. She uh, died in childbirth. Yeah. Uh, was it? Think of your mnemonics. I know. I can't remember it. <laughs> um, it was another youthful one. It was one that didn't last very long. She had kind of a German face. No. Nope. Okay. That was Anne of Cleves. Anne they of Cleves. Got, damn it. They, uh. They annulled that marriage. Yeah, because she was so ugly. Um, <laughs> if I remember correctly. 
It's been a while since we've listened since I've listened to that mm-hmm. episode that you did. It was very good though. Uh you got your Catherine of Aragorn. All right. So the answer Jesus. is Catherine Howard. Cat- I was close though. I said Catherine. There's three Catherines. Oh shoot. <laughs> only two oh man kate I and was... Anne and jane and Anne and kate again and again he married three catherines and two Anne's. divorced beheaded died divorced beheaded survived yeah i'm sorry okay. I'm so sorry. catherine howard was his second wife to have been executed at the tower of london um so she was stripped of her title as queen in november 1541 and beheaded three months later on the grounds of treason for committing adultery with her distant cousin thomas Culpepper. um she was the one who requested that the that the execution block be brought to her room so she could practice so that she could die in a dignified manner <laughs> yes as a i do remember as a laughing about that um for more on the wives of henry the eighth uh you should check out episode 13 the merry wives of tudor and lauren i should de- be realistic listening to that yeah soon we can listen to it in tandem yep (laughs) question six squish is a product by frog logic that is designed as a commercial cross-platform gui testing tool able to record and replay test scripts written in javascript perl python or ruby programming languages what does gui gui stand for so is it get under it Is it go uh, under it? (laughs) I do like that. I wonder if our resident software engineer would agree that they could start to implement that Uh, instead. General, the only U word I can think of right now is under. (laughs) General uh, user interface. You're very close. Um, Change your first, change your first word. It's, uh, it's, Graphic user interface. Graphical user interface. Oh my god! Hooray, you're a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> oh, so thanks. A wow, gra- this, is, this is a real emotional roller coaster of a, <laughs> of a quiz. So a graphical user interface allows users to interact with electronic devices with graphical icons instead of text-based user interfaces typed command labels or text navigation. So GUIs were first introduced in reaction to the perceived GUIs were first introduced in reaction to the perceived steep learning curve of command line interfaces that required commands to be typed on a computer keyboard. So like when you're, when you see hackers, they're doing, they're doing command line things. Yeah. But with, when, when we go like to amazon.com to buy things. Yes. Um, and you're clicking on logos and graphics and things oh, like so that. Oh, so that's the thing that, okay, that's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Great. She's so done with me. <laughs> Question seven. Located nine miles off the coast of French Guiana, Devil's Island, or Ile du Diable, was the site of a notorious penal colony for more than a century. Among its most famous surviving political prisoners was which French artillery officer accused, not j'accused, of espionage and defended by writer Emile Zola in a famous open letter? Okay, is it somewhere in the comedi- com- comedian? Wow. Is it somewhere in the Caribbean? Um, well, uh, French Guiana is off the coast of South America. Okay. But the question is, which French artillery officer? Oh, shoot. Uh, are we talking about? French artillery officer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
J'accuse is. Hmm. This is another. Hmm. Do you know the Emile Zola reference? No, I don't. Um, okay. <laughs> well, that would probably be helpful. Um, so in uh, like eight, in uh, the late 19th century, he was trying to defend this person and he wrote an open letter and it was published in a newspaper and the headline was J'accuse. Yes. And it was all about how the French military and the government was covering something up and that they had um, prosecuted the wrong person. Uh-huh. And... It was an affair. Oh, yes. His name wasn't XYZ. Uh, no, his name was not XYZ. <laughs> it was the... Hmm. It was the... What does it just tell me? His name was Captain Alfred Dreyfus. The Dreyfus Affair. Damn it. See, I was so... I'm sorry. Don't be, don't be sorry. I'm this sorry. is French history. Yeah, I'm not as I'm not as up to date on the French history thing. Hmm. I could tell you all about their art. I know. <laughs> I know, Lauren. So if you don't if, if you, you don't know so, if you don't know about the Dreyfus affair, everyone. If you didn't paint anything, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> so the Dreyfus affair. Uh, so Alfred Dreyfus was a French artillery officer of Jewish faith and ancestry, whose trial and conviction in 1894 on charges of treason became one of the most controversial and polarizing political dramas in modern French history. In the event known as the Dreyfus affair. So in a nutshell, there was information regarding new artillery parts that was being passed to the Germans by a highly placed spy in the French military. Suspicion fell upon Captain Dreyfus, who was arrested for treason in October 1894. In January 1895, he was convicted in a secret court-martial, publicly stripped of his army rank, and sentenced to life imprisonment on Devil's Island in French Guiana. In 1896, a lieutenant colonel found evidence that actually the real culprit was Major Ferdinand Esterhazy, but the army had already publicly convicted Dreyfus, so they ignored this evidence. (gasps) When reports of an army cover-up and Dreyfus's possible innocence were leaked to the press, a heated debate ensued about anti-Semitism and France's identity as both a Catholic nation and a republic founded on equal rights for all citizens. Yeah. So Esther Hazy was found not guilty by another secret court-martial before he fled the country to England. And following a passionate campaign by Dreyfus's supporters, including leading artists and intellectuals like Emile Zola, Dreyfus was given a second trial in 1899. And again, declared guilty of treason, despite the evidence in favor of his innocence. Ultimately, he was offered and accepted a pardon by President Emile Loubet in 1899 and released from prison and finally exonerated by the military in 1906. So this was a big thing because it was like uh, it was a big uh, like the bulk of this argument hinged on the fact that he was Jewish. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And And created a big. Yeah problem a big a big a big stir a big big affair if you will yes an affair if you will so emile zola's letter j'accuse is very very famous like newspaper Mm -hmm. um publication and like that still persists into like our lexicon today oh yeah like i mean i don't know how many times i say j'accuse at work i'm not being sarcastic it's true (laughs) 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 i mean i have a lot of People betray me. People People betray me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question eight. 
Cicero was a first century BCE Roman statesman and lawyer considered to be one of Rome's greatest orators. Unfortunately, he became an enemy of the consul in the power struggle following the death of Julius Caesar in 44 BCE. Cicero was executed under the political alliance of the Roman Republic's three most powerful figures, known more commonly as what group? We're still here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, your your recording did not stop. Um, but they're the the band of three. The um, the what, what's that face mean? Am I close? Is that like not close? <laughs> the the uh, what's band of three in Italian? Uh, yeah, what's three in Italian? Trey. Trey, Trey. Turn that into a word. Trey, Traitors. 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 I got it. That's it. Stop the podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't be I gotta sorry. study before I come over here. Um Tra Traitore. Traitore. That's Italian. <laughs> All right. They're known as the Triumvirate. Oh, specifically okay, the second triumvirate. So this is Octavian, mm-hmm. Mark Antony, and Lapidus. Um, the second triumvirate was formed in 43 BC, and it ran for about 10 years. The first triumvirate was actually Julius Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus. Um, but, you know, after Caesar's death and people, yeah. you know, the whole big thing. So this is the second triumvirate. So they began prescribing their enemies and potential rivals immediately after legislating the alliance. And Cicero was considered an enemy of the state. So Cicero was hunted down and killed by two soldiers on December 7th, 43 BC. His head was cut off and then his hands were cut off. And then Mark Antony's wife, Fulvia, took his head, pulled out his tongue and stabbed it with a hairpin a bunch of times in a final act against his power of speech. Just real fun stuff. (laughs) Um, But Cicero, like his, you know, story persisted. Um, Following the invention of Johannes Gutenberg's printing press, Cicero's De Officius was the second book printed in Europe after the Bible. Oh, wow. Okay. And America's founding fathers were heavily inspired by Cicero. So his name has endured, even if his tongue was not. Nope. Yikes. All right. Question nine. Port Arthur was, for 20 years, the destination for the most devilish of convicted British criminals in the 19th century. It was sold as an inescapable prison, much like the later Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay, but much farther afield. On what island state in the Southern Hemisphere is Port Arthur located? Okay. This was the question that I thought was the previous question, and I wasn't listening to that when you re-said <laughs> that question because I was trying to think of a, of an island in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I haven't figured it out. Uh Island in the Southern Hemisphere. It's an island state. An island state. If that helps. Is it Vanuatu? No, but look at you. Hey, I know my islands, states. Um, Is it in the South Pacific? The destination for the most devilish of convicted British criminals. Devilish. Okay. Il Diablo. Devil's Island. Devil's Island? We already talked about Devil's Island. Yeah, we were just talking about it. That's why I'm like, I don't understand. (laughs) Um, Hades. Mm. Where would you, where could you find a devil? Where would I find the devil? Where could you in find hell? a devil? A devil? A devil. In hell? No. Oh, I, <laughs> no? in the church? I don't know. The Vatican? 
<laughs> Vatican Island. <laughs> um, the Dominican Republic? I don't know. Tasmania. Oh, that kind of devil. I thought we were talking... <laughs> I'm sorry. So Port Arthur, big deal. It was, um, it's part of the Australian convict sites, Mm. which are a world heritage property consisting of 11 remnant penal sites originally built within the British Empire during the 18th and 19th centuries in Australia. Sure. So collectively, these sites, including Port Arthur, now represent, quote, the best surviving examples of large scale convict transportation and the colonial expansion of European powers through the presence and labor of convicts. Cannot talk about Port Arthur without mentioning this. Um, in 1996, it was the site of the worst massacre in modern history oh, in, Aus- yeah. in Australia. Um, uh, this this uh, person named Martin Bryant. I was trying to I was trying to come up with a a good enough yeah epithet for mm-hmm. him, but. Martin Bryant killed 35 people and wounded 23 others. And fundamental changes of gun control laws within Australia followed the incident yeah. almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, for more on famous prisons, uh, check out Lauren's episode 53, Heading to the Big House. That's pretty good. And then finally, question 10. What surname do the following people have in common? Jacques, a French Cubist sculptor. Lippi, a South African sculptor and painter, and Rudolf, a German mathematician with a continuity condition named after him. I bet if I remembered the Chicago refrain, I would remember this, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, Jacques Cubist, the only thing I'm going to get, the only pathway to this is the Cubist sculptor, and the only Cubist sculptor that I can think of is Brancusi, who was Polish. Um, so we had... Pop, Six, Squish, Cicero. Uh-huh. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> it's Lipschitz. Oh, Lipschitz. Oh, I forgot about that. I should watch that movie again. It's good. The, so the line there is, I loved Al Lipschitz more than I could possibly say. He was a real artistic guy, sensitive, a painter. But he was always trying to find himself. He'd go out every night looking for himself. And on the way, he found Ruth, Gladys, Rosemary, and Irving. I guess you could say we broke up because of artistic differences. He saw himself as alive, and I saw him dead. That's pretty good. It's probably the best song in the whole It's great. Show. It's great. Great musical. <sighs> I'm sorry. It was on the brain because we're going to Chicago this week. I know. Maybe I should watch it before that. So I can really get to know Chicago in a major way. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, don't Julia. Be sorry. I'm sorry. Don't I be forgot sorry. all about Chicago. Mm. And you spend so much time. Every t- I keep thinking like, you're like, she's going to get it this time. <laughs> you're writing the quiz. You're like, one day she's going to get it. Oh, anyway, you did a great job. We'll see you guys in Chicago. <laughs> great job. Uh, and then finally, our final segment, you know, our, t- our 2020 segment. Yeah. Germs, Germs Corner. 
Today's tidbit on Hawaii. Uh, Mauna Loa is being used for a NASA Mars simulation. Yes. Mauna Kea is home to very large telescopes. Mauna Kea is supposed to get a very large telescope, but there are protests about that now. He said, it's not like our standing rock, but some people think it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big deal and people are making comparisons to it. So, yeah. I I don't know what's happening right now about it, but yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks, Germ. Thanks, Germ. We love it. And thanks, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about the cell and famous yeah. historic prisons. And, certainly, I did. Uh, so. uh, yeah, thanks so much, and we will <laughs> we will hopefully see some of you in Chicago. Uh, if if you w- will not be in Chicago, we will be posting pictures and oh, things. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, and uh, yeah, get us wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. And thank you so much to everybody who has done that. It's been, Oh, they're so it's kind. It's been very kind. Everyone's been great. And uh, yeah, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>